You are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. This morning on the show, we have Tim Broom, co-founder and CEO of IT. IT Pro TV, the Netflix of IT learning. Tim, thank you so much for being here, my man. Thank you for inviting me. Happy to be here. <laughs> you guys, not only is he the CEO and co-founder of IT Pro TV, but he is also the first guest to be here at seven o'clock in the morning, an hour before <laughs> we record. <laughs> so everybody who gets invited to be a guest, take a lesson from this guy because he was here bright and early, ready to rock and roll. And I love that you say you're a morning person. Huh? I am a morning person, you have to be. Like I said, I'm not the smartest uh, knife in the block, so you have to work harder than everybody else. Well, was that something that you had to work towards? How long did it take you to become a morning person or was it just always your thing? You just start, uh, when you start running your own business, you don't sleep, so you just come in early. Yeah, You can get a, a day's work of work done before most people get there. You know, that is very true. Now, you're yeah. not a very early early morning riser, are you, Ty? Not normally? I can be, but I don't like to be. I'm I feel definitely like, a night owl. I feel like entrepreneurs are either one way or the other. Yeah. They're very either like early morning is there now, so, so you can't stay late up late at night. Eight right? or nine o'clock. Eight or nine, okay. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm up at two or three in the morning. And then remember yeah. like Chris Marhafka was like, when he was on the show, he said like two, like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. type. Yeah. Stay up really, really late. That's when I get my best thinking done. And then I saw Alex yeah. last night and he was like, uh, he keeps pushing his time earlier. He's like a 4 a.m. now, he's like 3.30 a.m. I'm like, dude, yeah. you might as well just Did you never see that sleep. Mark Wahlberg article? Where no. he kind of released his uh, training regimen, getting ready for this last movie. Gets up at like 2.30 in the morning. Oh my gosh. He's played like 18 holes of golf, had like six meals, worked out before six. It's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, that's too early. <laughs> so what's been going on in your world, man? I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah, I mean, lots of stuff, so. Not that our podcast people would like notice anything, because we yeah. always, obviously pre-recorded all those episodes, but we haven't seen each other in a few weeks because yeah. we got through back to school season. So I know you released the Best of Gainesville magazine. Yeah, the magazine's out. Um, you can get it on campus, 60 locations on campus, about half do or a dozen or so downtown, and. Uh, Probably gonna have about 20, 25 more places all over town, Tioga, Hale Village, uh, everywhere. So it's been pretty cool. 32 pages, a um, couple of the articles in there, 37 essential restaurants to go in Gainesville, the cutest baby am animals of uh, Payne's Prairie, a few other things. Um, our next issue is gonna be a food-centric one coming out in November. Uh, it'll be up online by the end of this week. So when this podcast airs, it'll be up online and uh, just trying to create that kind of viral network for sharing kind of quick quick hot takes, top fives, things that you kind of want to go figure out what to do in Gainesville. Cool, it's man. Been good. Yeah. Off to a strong start. Yeah, for sure. What do you think of Gator football so far? <laughs> it's been a little brutal, you know? Um, I, was like, I even have it on here. Should we even talk about this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a little salty. If we get a win this week against Tennessee, I think we'll be a little happier next week during the podcast. Yeah. Tim, what do you feel about Gator football, man? It's consistent. <laughs> uh, well, New Scooters for Less had a very good back to school season. Yeah. Things are absolutely crazy. Things are still crazy. We kind of go in these waves, right? So like August is like crazy scooter sales, scooter sales, scooter sales, um, just through the roof. And now, now it's like kind of transitions to service. It's funny because 
during August, there's so many parents here, like with their kids, getting everybody moved in. They're buying the helmets, the locks. Like they're they're getting the full package, right? Yeah. Make sure my make sure my kid is ready, ready for school, all set to go. And then September comes around, and it's like the wave of financial aid. Yeah, and it's like, no, I just want the scooter. <laughs> like, please also get a helmet, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's like it's just completely different. The vibe is a little bit different. Um, and then it's a lot more service, which is which is really really cool. And um, some really interesting things for the podcast. So website is officially up. Yep. And it's cool because now we have a calendar on the website and you can see which guests are going to be on the show, like when their scheduled recording is and then when their scheduled release date is. So we're working hard to try to keep that maintained. But I think I think it's pretty interesting to be able to to, to see all of that. And we're gonna try to post more articles and some information about the guests that are on the show. And and then you can also nominate a guest, which I really recommend people doing now. I say this and I also, also ask for everybody to be extremely patient because we are already booking through, I mean, if you told me it was January, we're already in January in terms of guests being on the show. Um, so it might, I mean, if you nominate somebody, we go through a vetting process. We wanna make sure that these are definitely individuals that make you go, whoa. And then, and we go through this, this little process and then we will get them scheduled on the show if they, if they pass all of our tests. And, uh, and. Their tests. <laughs> their tests. So you can watch some my, online classes to learn about my what point we're gonna test being, My point being that it might take uh, a year to get them on the show, but but it, it but we will, and it gets me really really excited to see that the community has embraced this so much. Absolutely, um, and and it's been fun. Just to, like I said, I know I've said it before, but the LinkedIn messages, a lot of the messages that I'm getting are are very, uh, I mean, motivating for me because I mean, Brad Gamble even told me he's like, man, I've gotten two leads from the podcast and then we had that That's person awesome. said that they were moving back to Gainesville yeah. because of the podcast and and then I know connections remember when Bryn and Natel and like a lot of collaboration that's happened from guests on the podcast and that I mean that obviously gives us a lot of purpose in doing this and again to only be 22 you know this is our 20 22 episodes 20. 22nd 20th? No, this is our 22nd episode being recorded right now so to be that far in and see the impact that it's already have had is pretty awesome. And final piece of news, we also have the WHOA GNV Alexa flash briefing. Here's your flash briefing. Check this out. WHOA GNV podcast. So it'll play a little clip for you in the morning, right? My dad was a football coach, so we were always moving. We, I grew up all over the place. Kind of like cool, huh? Yeah, that's so, awesome. Um, Alexa, off. So, if you have one of these, I want to plug her so she doesn't keep uh, talking when every time I say her name. Um, if you have an Alexa device, then then go to your flash briefing, download the WHOA GNV podcast flash briefing. And um, and then start your day. You can you can when you wake up in the morning, say, "Hey Alexa, play my flash briefing," and she'll play you a clip from a previous podcast or one of the side hustles. Because you know, if we don't get all the questions answered that we want to get answered, then we'll ha- ask our guests to stay a few minutes 
and we'll record something that's not aired on the podcast itself and that content will actually go out on um, the Alexa skill and on Facebook and and so that's that's a unique thing that we have uh, mad props to my team for getting that out there love you guys you guys are the best and um, and I would love just to know what everybody thinks about it because obviously Alexa devices, Google Home devices, that's what the, the next thing we're working on, right? And all this stuff is it's just kind of cool to see it all come to uh, to fruition, to life. And I don't know, it's a lot of fun. So that's it in terms of your <laughs> catch up on the news. Yeah, I feel caught up. <laughs> and uh, Tim, man, I was so pumped to get to this interview. Um, I met, you guys, I met Tim for the first time Few months ago, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually it was at IT Pro TV, mm-hmm. and um, this guy gave me a tour of his of his business with a uh, with several other entrepreneurs that day. And uh, I mean, I don't know if it's a business or a spaceship. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the place. Have you ever seen it? I've been over there to visit Dev Academy and Opus, and I kind of peeked around IT Pro, okay. but I've I mean, not gotten the full tour. Okay, they got like this really awesome studio setup that makes you feel like you're in a spaceship, right? I don't know how you would describe it, but it's... We definitely had a vision of what we wanted to do, and you know, we started creating our course videos in the back of a warehouse at, uh, I had another business at the time, we kind of started it as a secondary business because we had a need. So we started in the warehouse, and we joke about that there's a lot of people that are with us now that uh, don't really know where we came from. Because when you walk into our facility now, we're very fortunate to have you know good looking facility with some technology and um, a great environment. But when you doubled the size in six months in the, in the, over the past year, um, a lot of people don't really know where we came from. So when we were in the warehouse and it was cold or there were ants or you know, we're piled on top of each other, uh, we always try to remember where we came from. So we're very fortunate to be in the new place. How long ago was that? We're we're in our fifth year now, so it was we moved into the new building two years ago this month. And did you guys build it, or was it? No, that was the old uh, Altel uh, okay. central office that was bought okay. by Verizon. And the past few years, they had before we moved in, they had like ten people that were in the whole building. It was twenty eight thousand square feet, wallpaper and carpet, musty. Yeah. Is there, can people like find pictures of the studio setups and stuff that you? Oh have? yeah, it's online. Okay. Yeah, we did a, a full Google tour. The, oh. the virtual tour, like the street view where you go through. You guys should absolutely go and check this place out. I mean, it it, it feels like a spaceship, and the reason I say that is because it kind of has like a center, like command center, command center. Yeah. and then there's like these little studios that kind of go in a circle, like all the way around, and that's where you do the physical recordings, yeah, full, and I, we're gonna get into everything that you do in a second. But Full credit, um, we had designed everything like in blocks, because that's the way we kind of tend to think when you're not really creative people. And uh, Walker, architect, local guy, um, he kind of gave us a design. He said, before you presented it, he goes, this is gonna be a little weird, but I want you to just take it and look at it. And I looked at it and I was like, I think that's freaking awesome. Makes all the studios odd shaped, but uh, the effect and the environment that you have, it really works. That's cool. So I'm really thankful. So for somebody who might not know what IT Pro TV is, why don't you give us a brief description of of the services that you offer, and then and then I want to dive into more of your story, like how you. I that's the part that I'm in love with. Everybody knows that I love the origin story, just like how you even got to this point. Yeah. So. So the way easiest way I, I talk about IT Pro TV is like the Netflix of IT learning where you pay a small subscription price each month or uh, as an annual, and you get access to an entire library of videos. 
our videos happen to be IT training videos for the IT professional. And in the same way that Netflix creates uh, House of Cards and they originate their own content, we originate all of our own content in our studios. So uh, one of our one of our core values is uh, creating new engaging content every day. And the reason was is back when we were doing instructor led training, we had an act we had needs for uh, supplementary videos, but none of it was new and none of it was up to date. And there were a lot of people that resold other people's content, but very few that created content. So one of the things we do is that we create lots of videos each month. So, you know, 200, 250 hours a month oh, wow. of new content. So every month that you have a subscription, it's more valuable the next month because there's some new or updated or additional content. The videos, I mean, how long would you say each, each video is? So we went through this process. They used to be about an hour and a half or two hours in the beginning because we felt like that was right. Because uh, when we came from the instructor-led training world, you would go for about an hour and a half in class and then you would take a break. And then you'd go for another hour and a half and then take a break. Uh, but what we found were people uh, wanted shorter snippets, but not micro learning. You hear that a lot, uh, three to five minute type learning. It, we did some research on it and did some tests with our with our members, and the attention span of an adult is about 26 minutes. So we try to stay in that 25. Not or, mine, it's more like 10. We try to stay in that 25 <laughs> or 26 minute mark, and you know if it's engaging and if it's entertaining, you can be you can you know stay focused and watch it for 25 minutes. If it's a typical training that's a voice over desktop or a voice over PowerPoint type of learning where you just have a script reading voice, it's going to be three four minutes, and you're going to you know tune away. But if you feel like you're watching a show, and it, it is like a show, like a like an evening talk show where there's a host and a subject matter expert, and there's two people that are having a conversation and engaging, the, the SME, the subject matter expert, is like the talent, is the instructor, and the other person is what creates the conversation. And it's, we try to recreate what is best about a classroom experience. And if you think about different types of video uh, learning, MOOCs was big a few years ago. And I never really liked it because it was, you saw the professor and he would talk to like a big classroom, but the way the camera was always set, you always felt like you were an observer and you didn't participate. So emotionally I was not involved. I just watched this professor teach these students and these guys learn. So MOOCs never got you involved, where what we do is that we talk directly to you. And that's one of the things that's critically important because we always show the SME or the host talking to each other. or looking at you, looking at the camera. We have little eyeballs on the cameras where they know they're always talking to a member. So they're talking to you. And if someone's like, I'm looking at you, yeah. you're paying attention because I'm looking directly at you. If I started looking away, you would start to lose your attention. Yeah, absolutely. So it makes a difference. Is there any interactiveness between the people who are watching? Because it, it's not, these are all recorded, so it's not live, right? But see, when we create them, we, we stream them live. Okay. And a little bit of our, you know, call it philanthropic, Everything that we stream live is free. So you can watch everything that we do every day for free if you just tune into the live channel. That's awesome. Is that creating like That's a sense really of urgency cool. for people to feel like they need to be watching the live? Um, what we find is that we have like IT departments that will leave it on a TV in their room. Oh. And so they'll be watching live. Oh, interesting. And we have anywhere from, call it 30 to 300 people that will be watching a live course. And if you're a paid member, you get to ask questions. So now I get to ask questions directly related to the content, but for us, the community helps us create better content. So now I'm a host and I have a, a question from Matt in the chat room. When you were talking about this in DNS, how does that relate to this? 
and then the host or the subject matter expert gets to answer that question. And so that makes it more interactive and engaging like a classroom. It's not just me talking to you and repeating something to you. Okay. So now, it's got a lot of different spins to it, but it works. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, that's it, awesome. it's, it sounds awesome. I want to take a how many How many questions do you guys take during a typical 25, 30 minute class? Probably, probably one to three. One to three, okay. Yeah. Very it, cool. It's a few questions. And yeah. then sometimes there's questions in between breaks that kind of go when you're not recording and it's more casual. This is where the personality of the, of the SMEs and the hosts come out because they talk to people because they tend to be the same people every day. Yep. Uh, and they'll interact and answer questions. If it wasn't appropriate or, or pertinent to that particular training course, then they'll answer it after. Awesome. So they get to talk back and forth. All right, so now I want to know how you got to this point. <laughs> because here we are, from, from, this is from what I know, and you can correct me on anything that I'm wrong, but company, well, how old's the company you said, five years? Five years. Okay, five years old. You guys are in the Inc. 500, correct? We're so fastest the, growing, 424. 424, 1,150% growth over the last three years. Yeah, number seven for all education companies. And you did this with IT, which I can't imagine how IT is somebody's passion because it's probably my nightmare. <laughs> like, if anything goes wrong when it comes to IT, like I'm like going after my general manager, Mike, saying fix this, and I'm, I was offsite yesterday and they were like complaining about phones and everything else network, I'm just like, oh my gosh. So, um, so the fact that it's somebody's passion is just super intriguing to me. So how did, you know, what were you doing six years ago and like so what how, how did you so let's go back yeah. let's go back a little bit farther i i spent eight years in working for a trucking company and it's a natural transition to go from transportation to technology right <laughs> right <laughs> so i imagine i'm i'm from like lakeland call it lakeland so i would for the trucking company i went from lakeland to jacksonville to charlotte to west palm and back to jacksonville so i moved every time he got promoted and my wife got married in between uh and she didn't want to relocate anymore. And so the, you either take the promotion or you're kind of stagnant. And she said, well, you know, why don't you do something with computers? Because you watch this guy on TV, which happened to be Leo Laporte, on a show called The Screensavers on a channel called Tech TV on cable. And I used to watch him every night. And uh, I said, okay, so she supported me to quit my job and become a career changer student. So I went to Charlotte took my MCSE NT4 courses, and during that time I decided that I wanted to open up a training center in Gainesville. So, kind of, I didn't have any money, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like a beg, steal, borrow, promise, and, uh, you know, I was very, very fortunate to have, have, you know, a family member say, I'll support you, but you gotta find a partner for 50%. You can talk someone else into it, then I'll, I'll participate with you. And so I went on a hunt for my friends and their parents, right? And uh, found a partner and uh, got enough money, which was really half as much money as I was supposed to get, as I was supposed to have on, on hand, and opened up here in Gainesville. And we screwed the tables together and you know started creating what was then the New Horizons Computer Learning Center. When you made that call, did you, did you guys have, like you have a, I mean, I know you're married, but do you have kids? Not, not then. Okay, not then. No. Um, because I mean, it's always an intriguing part of someone's life when they like make a call to quit a job that has steady, steady paycheck. You know, a lot of 
people with entrepreneurial tendencies might not necessarily do the same thing. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, but we had a kid a year later. Okay. <laughs> so you, just put more so stress. Wait, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like what's that? Or maybe like, what's a good piece of advice that you can give to somebody who's contemplating that? Because I think right now, and I, I don't want to dog entrepreneurship at all because like I'm, I'm head over heels in love with entrepreneurship, but I feel like there's a lot of people, I think, I feel like entrepreneurship is sometimes a fad, like it's the cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. And and I just don't think that everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur. And how did you know that you were? I definitely think, you know, looking back, I don't, from the risk standpoint, from all the risks that we really took on, I don't think it was a great idea to do what we did and the way we did it. So why'd you do it? Because I didn't feel like I had any options. I wanted to make it happen. Failure was not an option. So we were gonna make it happen. And uh, I think I was just driven, uh, driven to survive, which ultimately led to a drive for success. And going through the learning of, when I was in the trucking business, the way that you would, I would uh, manage a, a freight assembly center, which is like a brake bulk where all the trucks come in and you manage it, you cross dock the freight and you send everybody home, 65, 75 truck drivers. And uh, when you manage that shift, it's really like managing your own little business and you're responsible for all the time cards, time sheets, you know, everything, the way, similar to the way you would in a business. So I thought I knew a lot about business and the tough part is I realized how little I knew. And you do that by making mistakes. And that's one of the hardest things to do is because now I'm making mistakes and it's costing me money and putting my family in jeopardy. And I'm, I have the best intent, I want to do well, I just didn't really know what I was doing, so I had to learn on the job. And was that simply through like a series, a series of failures, or did you surround yourself with mentors? Or I had to learn to do that. I had to learn to ask for help because at first I was embarrassed, you know, quite honestly. And uh, it was in 2005, so it was a couple years into starting. We started in 2001. So 2005, I joined a group called Vistage. Then it was called Tech, called the Executive Committee, which is a CEO group uh, within the community. And uh, when I first joined that group, I started to learn more about business. And it's a monthly meeting, and you kind of have these roundtables, and you know they tend to be pretty straightforward and blunt. But I was still not sharing everything that I wanted to because I didn't want to show my warts because I mean every business has warts every business has pain and you don't want people to think of you as being bad or you know something going wrong my cash flow is is down I don't know how I'm gonna make payroll next month you don't want to talk about those things because they're embarrassing it's painful and uh, eventually you learn to trust and reveal that everybody's got the same problems everybody's got the same issues and uh, you work through them are you still in groups like that today? I am, and that, I call it my my MBA because, uh, as we were joking about before, you know, my history in school, I you know kicked out of college a couple times, and you know I was not a good student, and I just wasn't excited about the subjects and things that you would go to school about, uh, but I became a student of leadership and a student of of what we were doing, and I really fell into fell in love with. Uh, the opportunity of, of building teams and learning how to, you know, not manage, but lead that process and develop people and develop talent as well as develop myself. So I, my cup was filled whenever I would help other people be successful. I used to, uh, I still say that, you know, my job title is removing obstacles to other people's success. That 
I learned that if I can help you be successful and you be successful and you be successful, I'll be successful. I don't have to worry about mine. I just help others be successful. And we do that through training, through learning. So our instructor-led class business evolved to a synchronous web-based business, so kind of like online live webinar type thing, but it was still courses that were timed. So that's how we started to get into video. So we kind of evolved through there, and then we had needs for the supplemental content. And I used to say that we were either arrogant or naive to just create our own, but we decided that we we're just gonna create our own. And it really didn't seem like that much of a leap. Uh, you were talking about you know starting the podcast and the technology around the podcast and how it didn't seem like it would be that difficult. Once you get into it, you're like, you know, holy shit, this is, <laughs> this is a lot more challenging. Uh, and that's kind of the way that we started. We were kind of knee, knee deep into it when we realized how difficult and challenging it was. But once again, you surround yourself with the smartest, brightest, hardworking people and failure is not an option and you find a way to make it happen. It's really the accountability you kind of need as leader. Are you in like a mastermind group or anything? I'm not here. I'm get you one. <laughs> yeah. I, I need some masterminds. I've got a lot of good contacts that I go through. You know, like Brad Gamble and some yeah. of those guys, but nothing formal. Yeah. Just waiting for the invitation, man. I mean, I found it that I found that it's very much the accountability factor that you need as a leader sometimes. Yeah. I mean, just you know, you don't really get it when you're in the operation of the day to day. I mean, you have to hold yourself accountable, I guess is what I'm saying in your day to day. And as a leader, sometimes you it's nice to to have somebody push back and, yeah. and say, hey, like, are you thinking about this or this, or, you know? Well, first off, you're alone because you can't go talk to your GM about, you know, a financial crutch. And the one that might be catastrophic, not just, you know, cash flow because you got some new scooters, that, another container of scooters coming in. Right, you're saying things that I've said multiple times. Yeah, yeah. And, and it gets lonely. And that's when you're able to have that confidential conversation with a group and you realize that other people have the same issues and you help them through their issues and they help you through your issues and you build that trust, I think it's really, really important. Yeah, and I like what you said where it's, you know, if you value leading others and making sure they're gonna be successful at empathetic leadership mm -hmm. where you're listening and being patient and really trying to put yourself in their, in their shoes, it's the only way to really build a team that you, you trust and they trust you and then you can really grow exponentially. Yeah. It's, it's so huge. I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek and one of his recent videos that our our group kind of went through uh, where he talks about that when you become a leader or, or we'll call it a people become managers and then they develop into leaders is that you're not in charge but you're taking care of the people in your charge and when you look at it that way it's completely different how many people are you guys up to now 70 73 okay you say we're watching videos like do you guys spend a lot of time watching your watching other people's content here you are generating all this content for others, do you guys, you know, um, I mean, what do you do to keep your We're aware, Pluralsight, Linda, CBT Nuggets are probably the big three competitors. And so we're aware of what they do, okay. but we don't focus on what they do, we really don't. Uh, we're kind of charging down our own path, and uh, I, I like that. We wanna be aware because our, we wanna be competitive if there's features or something like that, but uh. <laughs> uh, the, the funny part about that is we go, hey, make sure all like cell phones and equipment is off before the show. And, <laughs> and you failed miserably. <laughs> you failed miserably. <laughs> Sorry. First one. That's good. <laughs> first, day, first day back. Um, but you said, so you, you subscribe 
I mean, you say like you listen to a lot of Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you guys have like team trainings or anything where you guys, how do you, do you get that information out to your team? We do. And uh, so we have a, our leadership team. Uh, we meet every, every week as a leadership group. And then I have a coach going through the Gazelles Growth Institute that comes up out of Miami and coach, coaches our group once a quarter. And then we have our monthly things, responsibilities and things that we do for him. So I am where I used to be not so much interested in thinking about investing into training your own people, even though I was in the training business. I think maybe that's why I thought that way. I have found that it is much, much better to invest heavily in great training for your, for your people and help develop them. And I think that's kind of, I mean, a lot of this, I think, is what's attributed to y'all's culture because looking from the outside in anyway, you know, I, I always do my research. <laughs> so I'm getting, I'm getting on, I mean, just to be frank mm-hmm. with you, I'm getting on Glassdoor and mm-hmm. like, I'm just kind of- I do it all the time. I'm, I'm digging, you know, like yeah. we're, we're a podcast that's trying to bring businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa, yeah. right? And I mean, five stars on Glassdoor, outstanding reviews. Um, I've seen videos of, of y'all's culture. Um, obviously, I know that culture is a topic that we dive into quite a bit on the show, and I think I just think there's a lot of entrepreneurs, especially even in our region, that are just kind of fascinated by it. I believe it's the lifeblood of any organization, um, you know. And then I, mean, I get even more intrigued when we start looking at a business that has had 1,150 percent growth in three years. I mean, <laughs> how do you just keep the culture from falling on its face. I mean, you, know, you said, how many people you said now? 70, 70, 73. 73 people. We doubled in size from December to June. I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. How do, you, how do you focus on maintaining a healthy culture when growth is just so astronomical? As you know, and I believe most people know, culture is hard. And it's not just saying it's hard, it's really f-ing hard. I mean, you gotta be really consistent. And it starts with trust, and that you earn trust, and you build trust, and you can never violate that trust of your team. And then you have to always be consistent and, and talk about it and remind people. And um, I think that's one of the things that, that we've been able to do. It's not just words on a wall, you know, we have a purpose, and our purpose is to empower the world to engaging learning. That is why we do what we do every day. And we have a mission, and the way we, 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 have, we look at mission is uh, uh, Collins from Good to Great, we kind of went through a program to develop our, our values and our vision. And we look at mission like this is a three-year mission, my flag goes into the ground, this is what we're gonna accomplish. It's not to be the world's greatest this, is this, and this, or to be the local greatest this, this, and this, because you can never achieve that. If you're in a mission and you're in the military, you look at it like, I'm gonna accomplish this goal, this is my mission. So we set a three-year mission, and we kind of call it the Everest mission, like you're climbing a mountain, and each each two to three years, you have your mission as you climb the mountain. And uh, so that becomes our mission, but then we have our purpose, and we live by our values. and. You know, we recognize people, we have team members recognize each other for going above and beyond on on representing one of our values. And you're just always doing it. And you know, we still have 
those one or two people when we do those internal surveys that just don't buy into it, just don't trust, don't whatever, and it kills me. I want 100%. And a lot of people tell me, you can't get 100%. Just don't even try. Don't waste the stress. But honestly, it kills me because we try so hard and we put so much effort into trying to make 100% of everybody happy. But sometimes people just don't have that trusting manner yet. My goal is that maybe one day they will. Now, through that process, do you know who those people are? No, we do anonymous? anonymous surveys. And again, you go by trust. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we. We, we don't check, we, we can't check the way that we do the surveys, we do that intentionally. I mean, we have technology people, they're pretty smart. I mean, they know how to fool, you know, if we tried to figure it out, so we just don't even try. So when you see those surveys and everything, do you have a process of like talking about it with the team? Yeah, and, yeah. Okay, so and how does that go down? And kind of uncomfortable sometimes. Uh, whenever we have an employee survey, we have one at least twice a year, three times a year, uh, I'll have a meeting and I'll invite everybody, either all hands meeting where everyone is there intentionally, or I'll invite people because it's not one of our annual meetings, and we talk about it. And I, I go through the surveys and I show each question, what the results were, what the questions, what the comments are, and then we review and we talk about them. And you know, there's some areas that we still need to improve. We are not perfect. We are, I'm not, I am not perfect. I, you know, I, I make mistakes. and. I think when you reveal that vulnerability in front of your team and, and you say those things like, you know, I make mistakes and I need you to remind me if I do something that's against one of our core values because I'm imperfect, I think they, that provides a safe place for other people to also be imperfect. And, you know, I encourage to make mistakes, lots of little mistakes so we avoid the big mistakes, but we want a safe environment where people can make mistakes. And all of that kind of comes together as part of that culture. And do you feel like transparency is an important part to that? Absolutely, authenticity and transparency. They have, they have to know that what I say to you here right now while we're being recorded is the same thing I'm gonna say in the office if I'm in a one-to-one -one with them or in a group of five people or if I'm at the bar drinking and having fun, that I'm being consistent, that I'm not bad-mouthing or saying something in one mouth and you know, saying something else whenever we're here in the public. Now, along the same lines, I know I've seen video of you guys kind of, I don't know, is it a morning huddle or? A morning stand-up at 8.30 every morning. Morning stand-up. Mm -hmm. So everybody comes together and what, like what, walk me through that just a little bit. Cause so I, I saw a video of you guys kind of like standing around the room. So it's kind of unique and I invite you to come in cause we yeah, do have people from to. the outside to come in. So it's 8.30 sharp, so get there 8.25. And just shoot me a text or maybe something could, anytime. Maybe we could just get B-roll of it Absolutely. for the podcast. Absolutely. We can show it. Um, so just make note of that. You know, it started when we were four or five people, and we were, what are we working on today? What did we accomplish yesterday? And let's know what's going on. Typical, agile, you know, type of project management. Uh, as we grew, it kind of got outside what would be the norm, because now we have you know, 70 plus people. I have an office in the United Kingdom. I have a guy in Dallas, uh, somebody in Indy, somebody in Chicago, somebody in Raleigh, somebody in Charlotte, somebody down in you know, Winter Haven most of the time, uh, someone out of Miami half the time. And, you know, when you have all that, you have the technology to be able to have that meeting and we get it done in 15 minutes. So it is really quick. What do you, what do you got? going on today, what did you accomplish yesterday, any announcements? So all those locations are in on the meeting. Yep. And well. every person has the opportunity to speak. That's really cool. 
And so are you guys just flying through? And we're not trying to rush, and okay. this doesn't seem like it's rushed, but we just go through and say, you know, I have back-to-back meetings today, but if anybody needs anything, I'm available after two. Or uh, today we're rolling out something new on the de- development site, you know, be aware that it's gonna roll out in case you hear any support tickets or anybody calls. And you were doing this with five people and now you're doing it with all 70 something. Mm -hmm. I mean, is this, is it scalable? Are you gonna, what happens at 150? Yeah, it'd be tough. Uh, I don't wanna lose it because I think it is critically important because what happens after that 15 minutes, you see people get together after that for like a secondary meeting. Like, I didn't know that you were doing that and I have some information for you or help me with this you know, those other groups that happen after that. So we really get started probably at nine working. Eight o'clock is the workday start. You know, some people kind of come in at 8.05, 8.10, and we try not to hassle them until it gets out of hand. It's like, no, eight o'clock is start time. Get your desk ready, go get your coffee at Opus, and let's get ready for the day. And then you stand up and then let's get started, you know, at work after that. I'm fascinated by all this. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's really cool. You have any questions? It's, 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 it's being consistent. Yeah. yeah, that makes the difference. Absolutely. I wanted to cycle back a little bit to kind of the screensaver show and Leo Laporte. <laughs> what did you find so intriguing or interesting about that? And when you started to kind of think about starting your own company, I know it started as brick and mortar before. Mm-hmm. Did you want to emulate kind of what he was doing or did you want to go on your path and it kind of cycled back to what it is currently today? So what, what I was passionate about Leo in the beginning is that I learned so much. It was so easy for me to learn the way that Leo would speak and the way that the shows were kind of you know structured. Uh, so I still became a fan after that show ran out, the channel changed to like a gaming channel and then he moved on and then he started his own podcast. And yep. so I would still listen to his podcast and then went to a video podcast and you know, he's pretty big now. Um, when, when you say that, you know, did we want to emulate that? We just, we just straight out copied. Yeah. I mean, if you look at our, the way our set is designed and the way that we're organized, if you look at all that, we just straight out copied. Okay. But. I wanted to advertise with Leo. So I was hounding his office in Petaluma and outside of north of San Francisco, outside of Napa. And I wanted to advertise with them. And they're like, you know, we really don't let startups advertise because, you know, we put a lot of credibility, our voice behind it. And, you know, Audible and, you know, Dropbox and these are the people that we advertise with. Yeah. Them. And I said, you know what? I'm coming out to visit you. And so uh, Don and I, my co-founder, and I and our wives went out there, and we also did a little Napa trip on the side, but we went out to see Leo, and we sat down and we said, look, you know, we're not really a startup. We've been doing this you know, for 15 years. And uh, when we talked about what our purpose was and how we wanted to empower people through knowledge and experience, and that we were inspired by him in 1990s, 1999, 1998. And I was talking to Lisa, who was then his uh, CEO, CEO, now his wife, because um, he was actually doing his, his broadcast. And she said, okay, we're gonna do this, we're gonna give you a shot. But I had to prepay, and it was expensive. It was like, talk about podcast marketing advertising, it was like four or five grand per spot. So wow. I mean, expensive yeah. for startup, bootstrapped. You know, this time I had to create my own cash for my other business to start this company. And so we met Leo after, and he came over to me and he said, so I understand that you're Tim Broom and you're gonna advertise with us. And he reached out his hand to shake hands, and I said, Leo, honestly, I need a hug. I said, without you, I would not have gotten into IT and changed careers back in the 90s from the screensavers. 
and he's a good old boy, so he's like gives me a big old hug. And I think ever since then, it's been something special because we go out there and visit them twice a year, and we go to dinner, and you know, they ask about our business and what we're doing and how they can help, and they made introductions to people. Uh, you know, I think they are invested emotionally in our business, and he gave us the full permission for the you know that look and feel of the screensavers, and he talks about that to his audience, which is why I think his audience resonates so well with this because the first podcast that we did with him it was October. 21st or 22nd of 2013 and between that and the the 21st and the end of the month we did like $28,000 in, in that month so I really had no expenses because my other business was paying the expenses during the startup but we were cash flow positive from day one and then we did like 35000 the next month and 35000 in December and I'm like hey $100,000 in the first three months you know and by the way we're not great this is all because Leo and his audience yeah and but people liked what they were seeing and then he was getting positive feedback so then it gave him more and more confidence and it just kind of built from there and i continue to to spend you know a lot of money with leo because uh, it resonates so well with our audience it's probably our number one it is our number one advertiser yeah influencer marketing that's just yeah. you found the, it, it the guy he's yeah. exactly what it is it's exactly. before influencers were influencers i yeah. believe yeah and so where else are you have you found other influencers that are paying off in the podcast world? Not or? as good. Not as not good. Not as good. Yeah. But there's some. Okay. And, you know, they're far less expensive. Yeah. But the return is not quite as great. So you kind of have to find pockets. You know, yeah. I need 50. Is yeah. What I really need who are kind of in that technology area to influence people. Okay. And you said you started advertising with them when you guys first started? Yep. Okay. It was the first thing we did. And honestly, if I wouldn't have done that, I would not have survived. So really? make the leap to pay $4,000 for one commercial. So you're saying marketing works? Absolutely. <laughs> I can tell you how if many it's the business right. owners I meet that are like, oh, marketing doesn't work. If it's the, if it's <laughs> the right. It's never worked for me. If it's the it's right you don't know marketing. what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, you gotta find the right one, too. Yeah. I just looked at the camera. And, and you gotta figure it out. That, <laughs> that was definitely a home run. Doing. A home run, you know, I, broom luck. You know, yeah. sometimes I get lucky. That was definitely one of the lucky things. But I was so passionate because I knew what I felt and then our whole design about how we created content, it just all came together. Yeah, and just learning from him or trying to emulate him, I'm sure that's helped you find personalities that other IT pros resonate with. Because I gotta imagine that's kind of talent acquisition in that industry, in your industries. It is. Maybe a little harder than other industries? Well, maybe. Um, First off, let me tell you that Leo opened up his studios and we took a picture of every device that he has in a studio, yeah. and we said, we don't know shit about video. We're gonna just go buy everything that he has. <laughs> so we got the TriCaster, his cameras, his mics, his HDMI you know, converters, yeah. and we just copied everything that he had. That's how we started. And then from and there- he was we, totally cool and open Oh, he was that? like, do whatever you want. I mean, he is that, Dude, he's that way, awesome. he's always giving. That's awesome. And so that worked out really well. And uh, what was the second part you said? Uh, about the talent acquisition oh, for talent the on-air acquisition. people on IT Pro TV now. So in the brick and mortar business, we had our own talent pool, uh, subject matter experts for their area of expertise. So whether it's break fix, you know, uh, server admin, network admin, security admin. But when you start getting outside of that, there's contract instructors and companies that we would solicit to be able to come in to train in those uh, instructor-led classes. Well, it's very similar because if you've taught an instructor-led class, that tends to resonate in our format of video. So ITIL, uh, it's very big in, in the UK and it's kind of a, a project management for how do you run an IT department. Uh, 
we were fortunate to grab a contract instructor to do that for us a few different times. Eventually we hired her and she moved from South Carolina to Gainesville and now she's full time with us. And now we have accredited ITIL and accredited PRINCE2 and accredited uh, PMP, uh, you know, all these things now that we have full accredited uh, content, which we're the only ones that has that, have that, uh, that's video only. Wow. That's pretty cool. And then, uh, you know, uh, we got Adam out of Miami. Uh, he was with New Horizons. I've known him since, you know, 2000, since the very beginning. And he contracted with us. And eventually, uh, we got him full time to where he spends three weeks up a year in a hotel up here, or three weeks a month in a hotel and one week back home preparing. So he creates videos every day. And he's a machine. And he's super, super rock smart. Rock star smart. Do you get, do you get worried that it's going to level off or stop at some point no. like no, no. Just no stay hungry and keep going it is uh if you look at plural site they did 200 million in revenue last year linda did 150 cbt nuggets did 50. you know we'll do 11 or 12 this year and we can continue to grow even off not taking business from them but odds are we're taking business from them every day our enterprise business uh, side our growth is that's where it's coming from is that enterprise growth where we started going directly to consumers where individuals would just go to the website and put in their credit card and, and buy a subscription now we're going after businesses where we're getting 500 and a thousand users you know I have 600 750 or 650 uh, users at NASA and and they love it they just completed I got a report yesterday like 2900 episodes like 3,000 episodes that completed in like the first 90 days. Dang. Harvard, uh, across the 13 colleges at, at Harvard, Harvard IT, there's 1,000 people. Uh, we have IT departments at MIT, at, at Stanford Medical Center, there's you know 500 people. Uh, then the military, uh, working on a deal with the Air Force, where there's 5,000 cadets that come in every year, and the Air Force requires them to be what a certification called Security Plus but they struggle in some of the remedial areas of technology. So really you have to train on these three or four classes, fundamentals, A plus, net plus, to get them to security plus. And we're on a, uh, a project now where they're using uh, IT Pro TV because their previous product, which was a Skillsoft product, uh, only had 18% pass rate. And I know that we can do much better. So it's really, it's really a total skyrocket type opportunity we just have to continue to dig in, but growth is expensive. That's the business question. Growth is expensive. I, I you know, in reflecting, um, I expected faster revenue growth this year because I was seeking private equity investment and I was gonna put more gas on the fire from a marketing perspective. And I hired for that growth. And honestly, I overhired. So, you know, I'm in a situation where I'm making adjustments never with personnel, but in the way that I operate the business, uh, so I can accommodate for that, so I can make sure that the growth catches up to as fast as, as our growth as an, as an organization. I'm still kind of like just taken back by, like, how do you control it? Like, how do you how do you control growth? Can you, or do you just? Well, I mean, it sounds like you're doing the right thing. You know, like you plan ahead, you get the try to get the right team members mm -hmm. in place for expected growth. And now, like it's not it's not going exactly as planned. You're not going to go and lay people off no. because of that. So, like, <laughs> what's going through your mind <laughs> through your mind at this moment? And then, like, what adjustments do you make? You know, perseverance and grit is um, in a couple of our values. And 
if there's a wall in front of us, and my wife and I say this all the time, you know, when you go to the bank and you hear a no, a lot of people just go, they, they said no. We hear a not yet because we're going to go over, around, under, or through that freaking wall because we no is not an option. Failure is not an option. We're going to make this happen. We're going to find a way to make it happen. And being relentless when you have those opportunities to make things happen because you know that it's right, that's what you do. And you got to figure a way to make it happen. And if you don't have that resiliency, I think that grit is what I look for the most probably in entrepreneurs or leaders that they're going to make things happen. The, the, the team, are they the ones that are like, do they get driven by your drive? Like, because one of the things that I've noticed with me, I mean, Ronald over here is a great example. He, he sometimes comes to me and he goes, yo man, I just need to have my once a month with you. You know, and I like, we can just get in a conversation and it just like juices them up, it gets yeah. amped, like ready to rock and roll. I mean, is your presence in the office very much just like a, like, like let's, let's go, let's get it, or like what? You know, why? honestly, I, I, I would struggle with that because I'm just a dude. Yeah. I'm just a dude and I, I struggle with, you know, having, you know, kind of supplying and providing the vision for the organization of where we're going. I think, uh, you know, I've had people say that, you know, they're inspired by the vision that we have and, and what we're doing and going, but I, I have a difficult time accepting that similar to what we were talking about before because I have my own issues of, I feel like I'm not worthy of that. I have to, you know, stand up for my team from that perspective, but inside I struggle with that. So I would have a difficult time saying, yeah, I pump up my team because I'm awesome. That's just not me. I was just curious if it was like Wolf of Wall Street in there. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like in no. those meetings, I'm like trying to picture these meetings now. Are they like, ah? <laughs> no, it, it's really not. It's okay. really not. It, it's a really fun environment and it, it's fun all the time. When did you, do you just look at other businesses and maybe it was the guy that you emulated? I mean, in term, when you start growing, mm -hmm. you start growing rapidly, I, I kind of, I don't want to say I fear, like I look forward to the day, but I see this happening like with, with my businesses, right? And it's like, okay, when I'm gonna need to hire somebody else or I'm gonna have to have a, a team leader who is, who is holding other people account, accountable at this point. And, you know, and even even with the new media agency that we're doing, like I'm I'm already in this place where I'm like, all right, like I have a project manager. How much can this project manager handle? Like, what's the capacity of this person? How many projects should I put them on? You know, how many people should they be responsible for? Like, I'm I keep asking myself all these questions, not knowing what the right answer is, seeking advice from others, and then like, you know, getting a multitude of different answers across the board. I mean, how do you figure it out? <laughs> well, I I think. Uh I faced that challenges that you've had where you have that right-hand man or you're the one that's doing everything, you don't have that right-hand man yet. and uh, Which I do, at least in New Scooters for Less, like I absolutely do, like Mike is my all-star. When you find that, that is a gift. That gives you a little bit of life back because without that, I think you really struggle in your life and you also struggle in your role and position. And you don't have enough time to, to think, my wife jokingly calls it visioning, what are you doing? You know, if I'm playing a video game or sitting feet up on the counter, I'm like, I'm visioning. You know? <laughs> but there, you do need that quiet time to where you can say, what are we doing and where are we going? And you start to think about those things. So without having, without having that right hand, I had it five years ago whenever we first started the company and I needed to exit my previous business. And I brought in someone to replace me so I could focus on it. 
And then more recently, uh, just about a year ago, uh, I hired a CCO and someone to basically handle my day-to-day operations so I can focus on, you know, at, at the time it was uh, private equity type raising and kind of the vision of the company. And it makes a big difference in me as a leader and what I'm able to uh, provide the organization. But it's tough to give those things up, but at the same time it's a gift because you get more time for yourself and your family. But it's, it's a it's bittersweet balance because you wanna be, you know, in the weeds. And with all the, the growth that's happening in the moment, I gotta, it seems like there's a lot of opportunities coming your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't saw something, I mean, you guys just became the official training partner for Comp. Comp to you. Comp to you? Yeah, dude, that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. I saw that and I saw a video of it and I'm like, I'm like, this is, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything, I don't know who Comp yeah. to you is. In my world, personally. that's huge. But yeah, that's the, the I gathered yeah. that. I mean, you know, these, these opportunities that are coming, how, how do you prioritize or decide which ones, which ones to take, which ones to focus on, especially when there's a, an abundance and, and then you're in this place where you're like, oh, like, you know, people-wise, you're trying to manage that as well, make sure that you have the right team in place. Um, and the reason I'm asking is because even with, even with the new agency and stuff that we're developing right now, I'm, I'm in this place where like, there's, there's a lot of opportunity and sometimes I'm like, oh, like I, I'm like, I'm taking this, I'm almost taking a step back and saying, all right, I need to, I need to make sure that I can deliver for these customers that I have, that I have the capacity and not get too excited about all these opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, but I, as a salesman, I'm super excited about all the opportunities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you balance that? Well, our business models are a little bit different. Right. In that I create something once and I sell it 10,000 times. It's a much better business. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty awesome. And, and uh, from that perspective, uh, if we're constantly creating content and we have people that are constantly selling, the infrastructure handles the growth. And customer success and, and customer support um, are, is the areas that grow as our customers grow. But with the CompTIA, you know, that opportunity has the business to um, double our business next year and then double again the next year. And you know that 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 is huge, and it's interesting the interests that I've had from other people because they see that. So you know it spurs other conversations. Is it, it why? Because it's just bringing validity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. With the with the content itself, mm-hmm. with how fast you know, how fast technology and everything else develops, how often do you have to refresh content? Dude, this is the awesome part about what we do. Because when we create something in the studio today, it's ready for the web tomorrow. So it's edited, done, ready for the web tomorrow. So if there's a security event today, we can go to the studio, we can create it, it's on the web tonight, certainly by tomorrow. So we're the only ones that can create content that fast. So people are kind of driving towards us because of that, of our stuff being newer. But we have what's called a freshness guarantee. And if you look at what's the core, what I describe as 85% of what an IT professional needs to know today, this core, we have a freshness guarantee and that's updated at least every year, at least once a year. So if it's out on the fringes, it might be two years old. 
but our freshness guarantee keeps our core updated every year. Because technology is changing. The exam might not update, but there's technology or there's stories or there's events from the news or media that you need to update that course because of that, and especially in the areas of security. Yeah, I'm just super pumped for you guys. Thank <laughs> you. Congrats on all the on the success on the journey. Thank you. And uh, I mean, you have any last minute questions, man? Uh, the one thing that I wanted to ask before I forget is, you took your team to Las Vegas to visit Zappos. Yeah. Oh my um, gosh. I used to live in Las Vegas for a while, and. Uh, I never got the opportunity to go through that school of wow, but I got to go in there and mm -hmm. listen to Tony, and it's super inspiring place. Um, it is. And he's responsible for the whole revitalization of downtown. It's really amazing what he's doing. What, Have you what read was, that book, Delivering Happiness? Yes. Oh. Yeah, and I know you had your team read it. Book. You referenced that in a couple articles I found. Yep. But how was that experience with Tony and, and bringing the team to, to Vegas for that? We can. Number one, we continue to do things today based on what that experience was and what we learned from that. And we really learned about what customer experience was about. And I'll never buy a pair of shoes from anybody at Zappos just because of that. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of Amazon kind of because of Zappos. Zappos. Not so much by Amazon. I mean, I love Amazon Prime, but it's kind of like Zappos that made me become a bigger fan of, of Amazon whenever, whenever they bought them. And... Uh, when we took our team to there, you know, to, to basically tour their facility and see their culture and see their excitement uh, and to hear their stories, one, you realize they're just people. And sometimes we idolize people, we put them up on a course, like look at them up there, but they're just people. They're just people like we're just people and our team are just people. And that gives you that, that idea that we can do it too and yeah. we can be the best at this and we can be the best at that. And so let's work towards that. And customer focus, you know, you talk about searching the web. I'll go and I'll search IT Pro TV on Google and I'll go 30, 40 pages deep looking for some negative, something negative written about IT Pro TV. And I really, really struggle to find it. And that's because the way that we handled our customer service. Uh, the customer's always right. We, we always take care of the customer no matter what. Our credit card got charged, I meant to cancel five days ago. Well, you know, we'll go ahead and give you the refund because it's the right thing to do. Uh, the only challenge we have is we allow people to download our video content for offline viewing. Now, DRM free, you can download all the training videos. Sometimes people will buy an annual subscription because you have to have an annual subscription to get the downloads and they'll download the entire library and then they'll want to cancel. Yeah. That's the only time that we go, yeah. dude, seriously? You know, but, and our stuff is on torrent sites, and you know, so we have a service that helps us yeah, get so what, people that so are So what do you stealing. do about that, anything? Or you just say it's part of the game? It's part of the game. If, if, if we want to give our customers the ease and convenience of having a download available, then we know that we're gonna struggle with that. If we wanted to have DRM, and it would be a pain in the ass, because it's a pain in the ass for us as customers, for other people when you have DRM, uh, then your customers are gonna not have a great experience, and you might prevent some of it, but there's always ways to go around it because we're IT people, we know what the ways are around it. I mean, I'm not saying that anybody on my team would ever do that, but we know how it's done. So you just deal with it. So we have a service that goes out there and does all the searches and does the teardowns, um, takedowns, and fills out the paperwork and everything. Dang. What a fascinating story. I'm super pumped for you guys. And I do have a couple questions that I would like 
we do like this little thing they call the side hustle, which mm-hmm. is just like another quick, yeah. quick side Q and A that we that we'll put up on our Alexa device and on uh, Facebook and stuff. And I'd like to ask you those uh, in just a second. But before we wrap up, uh, I mean, you guys are are right there off a of Tower Road, mm-hmm. right here in Gainesville. What's, I, your, what's your favorite part about Gainesville, man? One, I'll say. It's an open invitation for people to come into our business. You know, we have an Opus coffee shop in our Which lobby. They were just on the podcast. Yeah. You know, because we want people to come into our business. And, you know, I have one of our studios behind a glass wall in the lobby because I want people to see what we do in our studio and how we create our content. I have a, a wall of inspiration, which is, you know, all those emails that you get of inspirational quotes yeah. that you kind of send to a folder that you never know what to do. And we actually created a wall for all of our favorite quotes. So you can sit there and get a great quote, get a coffee, watch what we do. I invite the public to come in for that. A lot of people thought I was kind of crazy of, you want the public to come into your business? I'm like, yeah, because I want to be open and welcoming to that. You know, my customer base isn't necessarily Gainesville. Yeah, we got Shans at, at UF and we have some IT departments that are in town, but you know, where I make money is not in Gainesville. It it's, happens to be worldwide in 170 countries. But I want the community to come in because I want to be involved. I want to have a relationship with people like that. And please take them up on that offer because the place is incredible, and you'll just you'll just leave inspired. I mean, you just walk in and you just leave. Yeah, and, and we'll give you a tour. Just ask. So yeah. you'd like to have a tour? You heard about it on the podcast. Can Tim give us a tour? And, yeah. if, and if, I, if I'm not there, someone will. Do that just so we know how yeah, many people go and cool. take tours based <laughs> yeah. on the podcast because that would be really really interesting. <laughs> Man, well, thank you again so much Absolutely. for being here. Thank just, you. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the invitation. What's um, uh, my question right before that was like, what it like? What's so great about Gainesville? I mean, we're doing this because we love Gainesville so much. We love the businesses here, like yours. Um, obviously, we want to keep our. I mean, we have what UF was like named top eight university yeah, or something right. just recently. Yeah. I mean, we want to keep our talent here from UF. We want to attract amazing workers for companies like yours to Gainesville. I mean, what's the one thing that you would say about this place? For me, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a personal connection. Um, when, going back to whenever I went away to college, my parents got divorced. And this probably happens to a lot of people that when the kids leave the house, the parents get divorced and they sell the house that you grew up in. And for all those years that I moved from city to city to city, I never felt like I had a home. But whenever I opened the business here in Gainesville and we moved and built a house here, Gainesville always felt like home. And you know, it's a place that now I raise my kids, my kids go to school, and it's a place where we have our business and we're growing our, our work family and our work team, and Gainesville is home. And no matter who you meet, who you talk to, odds are there's the political you know, extremes of either side, but you're still friends because you're still within the same community and you still have the same uh, care for, for everyone that, that's in here. And that's what, I, that's what I love about it. Thank you again, man. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Last last question. Where can everybody find you? Find IT Pro TV. Is it just IT? It's ITPro.tv. ITPro.tv. And social media, that kind of thing. Any handles? At All of ITPro.tv. <laughs> <laughs> go find them. Go connect with them. And, and watch this incredible business continue to grow and do amazing things. And um, Gainesville, world. Thank you so much for listening to the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, well. <laughs> We've done that several times, and I just, one day, like, I'm gonna make it a thing where everybody goes, well. We'll see you later. Bye.